Peace, grace, this is Pastor Colton Lott from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, El Reno. We have the privilege of building Christian community in El Reno for the world. And so if you care about building Christian community or El Reno or the world, we're glad you're listening to this podcast. If you want to help contribute to the gospel work of this congregation, please visit our website, fcclreno.org, and go to the Give Online tab. And now, here's the sermon for the week. Hear these words from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. May God add blessings to the reading of these words in every time and in every place. Would you join me in prayer? Through our songs, through our scripture, through these words I am about to say, speak to us, God. For surely this church is listening. Surely we look to be filled today so that we can be new wine, called to be whatever you would have us be. Grateful to be your church. Amen. Some of the big news this week came from a company called Patagonia. It's a privately held company, or at least it was till a few days ago, valued at three billion U.S. dollars, and was given away by its owner and founder, Yvonne Chouinard. He and his family decided to give the company to the earth. For those that don't know, Patagonia is an outdoor and adventure brand, notably higher-end, Uh, They're big for rock climbing folks, and I'm marrying a rock climbing enthusiast who worked for an outdoor retailer and seminary, and I asked her how she would rate Patagonia, and Kelsey said Patagonia products are a 9 out of 10, solid 9 out of 10 in quality, and a solid 10 out of 10 for out of our tax bracket. (laughs) They also have a fashion line. If you remember the puffer vest of recent years, uh, that is particularly a Patagonia puffer vest. Uh, which Kelsey then said when she worked at the hospital uh, last summer, you could tell who the first-year residents were because they had on a white coat, and you could tell who the second- through fourth-year residents were at the hospital because they had on a Patagonia puffer vest. (laughs) The company has long been interested in nature conservancy, fighting the climate crisis alongside many other outdoor and recreation companies. 
For many years, they've been giving 1% of their profits away. But now, as Avon Chouinard reaches the age of 83, they've decided to put the management in the company in one nonprofit with this express direction to give all of the profits to the, or all of their profits to a new nonprofit being established. It's an interesting idea. No one knows if it's going to work. Capitalism works because of some self-interest, and without his quirky founder at the helm, a man who loved rock climbing so much he would live out of his car and eat dented cat food cans he would buy for five cents, it's going to be interesting to see how this company works. It'll be interesting to see if a family who believes that the only good way to be a billionaire is to no longer be a billionaire can have their gamble pay off. Inevitably, it's going to be more complex than the news blurbs about it have been this week. And yet, our time, like every other time in human history, requires creative solutions to the problems and the challenges we face. It's nice to see a company try something new, because we, we humans cannot meet the needs before us by doing the same way, the same things in the same way. Just ask the church in Acts 2. Our snippet of scripture comes immediately after the Pentecost story, after that preaching of fiery tongues that cut straight to the heart, and 3,000 were brought into the community of Jesus on that first Pentecost Sunday. Our scripture is what comes next, which is, now they had to learn how to be church together. Now this isn't a small feat. Up to this moment, there were about 120 Jesus followers in Jerusalem. This is exponential growth. This is some 25 times over their original 120. Talk about a loaves and fishes moment. What I appreciate about the story in this reading, that I, in this season that I have, is that these new followers of Jesus, who, by the way, were following a man they never met, but through the power of the Holy Spirit called him Lord, these new followers of Jesus did not go home and back to their regular lives, nor did the apostles toss them the keys and say, here you go, here's your church. Instead, these 3,000 were called to deep formation. And they gave up everything to attend the University of Nazareth. They sold everything they owned to enroll in a unique form of basic training. They lightened their load. To my mind, for two reasons. First, so that they could actually devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, which is to say they cut out the distractions so that they could really be changed. And second, but arguably more important, they sold everything and distributed the proceeds so that there were no needs among them. And with some 3,120 faces, in a time where approximately 99% lived on a subsistent life, one day's wage to the next day's wage, or if you will, paycheck to paycheck, There were needs among them. It's inevitable 
in a community that large. Because of their transformational generosity, though, they had the goodwill not just of that 3,120, but of all the people who looked on and saw that this Jesus movement, they were for real. It was a miracle. The miracle that God had already provided for every need. And not because some fairy dumped a pile of cash in the middle of their circle. Not because Peter got off his perch after he was finished preaching, started digging and struck gold. And not because God went poof and every need just magically disappeared. No, every need was provided for by the generosity of transformed hearts. That by devoting themselves to that teaching, into the prayers, to true community, to breaking bread together, it broke them open. And that first church had a creative solution to the problems and challenges they faced. They could not meet the needs before them by doing the same things in the same way, and so they didn't. The first church didn't do the same things in the same way. They did new things in a new way, and everyone stood in awe. Now over here at the church of today, we're in the midst of our worship series from bread and cup to faith and giving. And we're exploring how we are transformed at this table where we find the community of Jesus and particularly where we are transformed for lives of generosity. And this conversation is in tandem with our annual stewardship emphasis, which is a time of the year that makes us all a little uncomfortable. Because there's a reputation that churches only want your money. And that's not true. At least it's not true without putting that phrase in its proper place. Now, friends, several things are true, and I want to spell them out for you. And we're a church of nuance. We have always held that we are a church that can hold several things at once, because if you have two disciples, you have three opinions. So I hope that you're going to trust me just a little bit with your attention for the next few minutes, because I have three things to tell you. I think it's going to help us be on a better foot for the rest of our stewardship emphasis. Number one. I do think it's important to give because it's important for your soul. Forget the church. When Jesus performed his earthly ministry, a significant part of his teachings were about generosity. It's hard to grow in faith without a challenge. And it's hard to learn what it means to say yes to Jesus if you rarely say no to yourself. People often ask me what's the right amount to give, and there are many answers to this question. But for me, the best answer is, it's the amount you'll actually notice, whether that is in dollars or time or energy. I think that's pretty good training for the family of God on earth for how it will be in heaven, because it's all God's, and eventually we will all come to that fact. So it's important that we structure our lives so that day by day, we give a little more of ourselves to this family of God, and we're reminded of that. 
So maybe it's giving up the Tudor's Coke one day a week that you really do want. Or tickets to the game or to the show. Maybe it's not money. Maybe that's not what it is for you. Maybe it's that hour of television to spend in prayer or service. Maybe it's making that commitment to give 1% more next year of your monthly income. Or maybe it's making a commitment to show up and be a participant in Sunday school. Not teach, just show up. Because the reality is when we come to worship or Sunday school, it's not just for us, but for the people who need a friend who need you there, your presence, your life, and your willingness to be present in community. But I want to be clear when I say giving is important for your soul. Your giving might not be primarily in this congregation, and that's okay. Your giving might be to the family member in need who can't make bills work without your help. Your giving might be to the mobile meals route. It might be to other gospel work. There are enough needs in this world that I understand if not all of your available resources come here. I'm okay with that. We are all playing on Team Jesus here. That's the first thing you need to know. The second is that one of the ways the wires get crossed when we talk about money, resources, the church, giving, is that often we're having two conversations, a community conversation about our dreams and our hopes and our needs, and also one that involves individual lives and realities. We're going to talk about individual lives and realities first. Because individually, I know we are all in different places, especially now. This is a wacky economy. If you don't need proof of that, just go to the store. Some of you are giving as much as you can, and you are pained to know that you cannot say yes to one more thing this year. Some of you are frankly giving too much, and you're going into debt or sacrificing essentials like medicine so that you can give. Some of you are considering giving more and trying to figure out what that means in 2023. And I want to say this because I know We're not a bunch of rich folks here. Some of us are living on bare bones budgets and hearing these words and feeling guilty that we have to do more with less. And I do think some sacrifice is good, but I need you to hear me when I say asking people to diminish their life is bad. What made that first church in Acts 2 so so beautiful is that there were no needs. We can't create needs, folks. That's why some of us step up, and even in this time, some of us step back so that all of us together can flourish. Because I do believe that God has called us to a life of flourishing. Which leads us to point three, that communal conversation about the dreams and the schemes and the realities and the hopes of this church that we build together. And to begin that conversation, I'm going to say that the reason I'm willing to talk about resources and church and giving and to spend this worship series doing it is because this church fills real needs in this world. This church helps lives to flourish as we learn to live before God and with others, bringing all we have to bear. Is the slide up? Or can we get a... 
Is the slide in the computer? I don't know if it worked this morning. Yes, it did! (laughs) This mural is in the education wing. Before it, Marge Ferguson had painted a mural, which I don't think had a proper name, but I always called it All the Children of the World. 2020 was maybe the worst year, and one of the reasons, unique to us, is we had pretty extensive damage from a flood in the education wing. Every room was affected. It was a mess. It made me pull my hair out. And one of the things that was damaged was Marge's mural. And restoring it was an insurmountable challenge. And instead, we decided to carry on that legacy behind the original mural. And we asked, what symbolizes our approach to inclusive community and deep faith formation for all ages, but especially for children and youth? And our artist, Heather, came up with this. It's entitled Flourish. And in their silhouettes, you can see four children who are notably different as they enact the four parts of Acts 2.42. One child is studying. One child is playing or in fellowship. One child, the one extending the apple, is eating together and breaking bread or fruit or whatever you may. And the child in the center is praising God and praying. That's what we hope for everyone. Every one of God's children, not just the ones that walk in our door, every one of us human beings, no matter our age, a possibility to flourish especially as we form community together. And that's what this church is about. This special community, unique in El Reno. And so I will annoy you and embarrass myself because this is a church worth investing in. And so if someone hears it in a new way, and we can keep doing this old thing in new ways with new possibilities together, it's worth it. Because as we talk about the community part, here's here's the quiet part that I'm going to say out loud. We're on track for about a $40,000 shortfall in the general fund this year. We can't do that in 2023. Now, this is not news to this congregation. Or or, or, let me rephrase it. We have always been a close-to-the-edge congregation. I was hearing just recently about the red eyes, if anybody remembers that experiment, as a a one-time of deficit before. And so I say this to say that I know, I know we're going to be church. And we're going to be church in new ways. But if you're someone who has time or talent or treasure and you have the capacity to give it, I hope that you'll step up as you're able Because like Patagonia, like the first church, we, First Christian Church, are going to have to come up with creative solutions to the problems and challenges we face, not just in our budget, but in the world around us. Not just in this congregation, but from all the doorsteps in El Reno. Because if we're feeling it here, we know our neighbors are feeling a pinch too. We won't be able to meet the old needs in old ways. It will require new things in new ways. Because this church has and this church will receive the awe of the people when we meet the moment where it is. So I'm praying fervently for new wineskins with new wine. 
for new ways to do ministry. And I invite you to join me in that prayer. And not just for this church, but praying for families as they meet this time in this place. Praying for our, our, for our companies as they continue to be more just employers in this time, in this place. Praying for our government, which certainly needs creative solutions to meet this time in this place. The Acts 2 church is often seen as some lost church that we all wish we could get back to. And we just can't seem to do it. Not many of us, after all, have been willing to follow in the legacy of selling everything and living a communalist lifestyle. And sometimes I think maybe that is the answer. And it might be that our community would be stronger for it. But I don't actually think that's the best lesson to take from that first church. Because the lesson is not necessarily how they were church, but what they did. It's important to remember that that moment of communalism didn't last. Communal ownership is not how other churches in the New Testament are described, and it's not even how the church in Jerusalem persisted through time. It was a powerful beginning that set them up to be church together, and it changed the way that they were church. But what that was how they did it. But what they did, a church that meets needs, that's the goal of every iteration of the church in the New Testament and the goal of every church today. The first church met needs before them creatively and radically, and it set the example of what the church is supposed to do. I don't believe necessarily how we are supposed to do it. That's the calling we carry on. So we're going to keep meeting problems and challenges, and we are going to keep fulfilling needs from our corner to the ends of the earth. This church will do that in 2023. And God willing, in every year of our future too. We are going to be a church that continues to allow all of God's children to flourish. We are still going to be a church where the kid who doesn't fit has a place to belong. We are going to be the church where young and old join together, sharing their wisdom across generations. We are still going to be the Helping Hands Church, where people are in awe that a church this size gets all that done. I have incredible faith. That just like that church in Jerusalem, this church in El Reno has already everything it needs provided. But much like our ancestors in the faith, we just have to figure out how we're going to do it. New things, new ways, that's okay. That's how the community of Jesus has found its provision for some 2,000 years. We can do this. Because God has already given us everything we need. God sent you. And God sent me. God sent us. All of us. And together we can make a community a provision. Together we already have enough.